0: Hey, out, hey of out of Tuners! tuners. I'm Erin.
1: I'm Victoria. I'm Rebecca. And this is Out, out of Tune. Tune! Well, now that we're in the month of February, it's officially Black History Month, yeah? Yay! And in the spirit of Black History Month, we have decided to have all of our episodes in the month of February uh, center around black uh, musicians, composers, artists, etc. And I'm excited, you guys. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to learn more and to know what black composers and musicians have contributed to the world of quote unquote, classical music,
2: mm-hmm. so. I don't I know, know why I'm still surprised with myself that every time we talk about someone that I don't know, but yeah. It's really nice to be, like, getting to know so many new composers for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I feel like I know the name, but I don't know the person or the musician or Or composer. Yeah, Yeah, the story, like, everything about them. And, yeah, I'm excited. So. So who is today's? today, Today? Today is Samuel Coleridge Taylor.
2: Wow. Wow, you guys.
1: Have you guys, um, did you guys hear about him before? Have you heard of him before?
0: i think i heard the name well okay i was reading a little bit about him online earlier and i think i've heard the name samuel taylor coleridge yes so <laughs> had i <laughs> Poet. so i don't know if i've actually ever heard of the composer before well since you since
1: you mentioned that i'll jump right in <laughs> um so his mom actually named him after the poet samuel taylor coleridge and hit the composer's name that we're talking about today is Samuel Coleridge Taylor
0: pretty cute actually it's kind of cute Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and I guess there's kind of a I mean I've assumed there's a little bit of a story with that that I can get into later but let's just start from the beginning shall we Um, he was born in 1875 in, um, one of the worst slums in London. So lower class. Um, and he was of mixed race. His, uh, mother was English and his father was from Sierra Leone and they were not married. And his father actually returned to Africa, never knowing that he had a son. Um, and I know it's sad, right? And, um, the, I, the reason he left, um britain and he went back to um to africa is because he was a medical doctor and he was actually forced out of practicing in britain because uh britain at the time was very racist and he couldn't establish a practice where like he would have like a normal income of patients and people to see um so yeah and uh his mom kind of knew that he was going to have um a lot of disadvantages in his life just based off of the color of his skin and uh, so she kind of did her best to not have him suffer so many disadvantages Um, so his she somehow got the birth records to show that his parents um, the her and the father were married so that he wouldn't be branded as like a child born out of wedlock Mm. um and then she also was able to um have them get out of the slums and into the suburbs nice yeah um and he actually uh grew up in a musical family his grandfather uncle and half siblings were all musicians um and he actually uh ended up taking music lessons from local orchestral musicians and choir directors and uh through that training kind of informal not at a school um he was able to win a scholarship and study at the Royal College of Music for violin and composition when he was 15 years old
3: yeah.
1: wow right like and like it's I also so like weird. think about this because he must have had I, obviously he was having to go through a bunch of racist battles mm-hmm. you know growing up and mm-hmm. to then persevere and get this is. of incredible
2: yeah it is
1: and he actually excuse me he had um some racist experiences um with other colleagues and students at the royal college of music but his professors especially his composition teacher charles villiers stanford um really defended him and protested to any racially charged attention he was getting Hmm. and um he somehow got i don't know if it was through stanford um, but he was connected with Elgar, and uh, he, Elgar expressed a lot of interest in Taylor's music and was able to secure Taylor a commission from the Three Choirs Festival, which kind of jump-started his career um and he wrote an orchestral piece for that choir um which is called ballad in a minor and it was like super well received by audiences and was like his first huge success that's amazing so do we want to hear a little bit of it yeah Yeah. oh my gosh okay (laughs) now it's really good i think maybe let's listen to like a minute if that's okay with everyone it's just too good to have like 30 seconds
0: yeah
1: okay so this is ballad in a minor
0: really good it almost it kind of it's like part of me is feeling like a film like a sherlock i was feeling the same way sherlock holmes or but you could also like i was trying to think like oh does it kind of sound like dvorak like can i picture it in both of those worlds like symphony world oh yeah movie music i don't know i was just thinking but it's very good music.
1: And also like what a way to like debut. <laughs> like <Right? laughs> as like a first time composer who's like commissioned by the, for this pe- like it's just kind of wild. Yeah. Um it's yeah. really good. I suggest everyone go listen to the whole thing. I think it's like 12 minutes in length, so it's not I mean it's not long.
2: I definitely pictured myself playing. It would be so fun playing it's this so the orchestra, play. right? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Um so, yeah, and also got to play that whole minute to get those royalties for those artists, for that Yay. orchestra, right? Yes. So, just just a general reminder to to always listen past 30 seconds.
2: If you don't know <laughs> what we're talking about, just go to our previous episode.
1: Yes. Nice one. Um, but, yeah, I guess just to continue with some history about him, by the time he was 21, he had several advocates for his work and was beginning to get his name out as an established composer. Like, this was his career. And then at the age of 23, he wrote what would be, what would become one of his most famous pieces, the cantata, Hiawatha's Wedding Feast. And it's actually, um, it's inspired by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's epic poem, The Song of Hiawatha. Um, and this was uh, the first time that the poem was set to music. And this cantata in particular, I think why it was so successful is because it was, something that like a whole new kind of uh, way to compose like a cantata. It was new and thoroughly enjoyed by audiences. Um, I guess uh, there was something I read that that was like a review or like one of those program notes um, about this. and it was comparing like the cantatas of the time that were sounding drowsy and dreary and this one was like tuneful, melodic and light. Um, So I also, I have a clip of this one, too. Um, Here we go. as well it's It's just so nice tuneful and light tuneful (laughs) but also like in a way programmatic i don't know if that's Mm. the right word to describe that but i just like you can tell like there's characteristics like telling of a story a character it's just nice i had never heard it before before today Mm. so um that one is also it's a little longer the first section is like 17 minutes and then there's like I think there's like three sections of it i'm not sure of the form of the cantata but um yeah i also suggest everyone go listen to that as well um so then around the time that he had this huge success with his cantata he married a woman named Jessie Walmsley, who was um a former student of the royal college of music um and she i think left like like a couple years in like 1893 she had left the school and they married um in 1899 and she was actually six years older than him so not too not too scandalous but you know a little cute um and at first her family objected to their marriage and then eventually like i guess gave in and attended their wedding which was a huge thing to happen back then
3: wow that's nice
1: yeah um and they had two children. They had a son who they named Hiawatha, just like the cantata, and then a daughter Gwendolyn, and both of their children had careers in music. Hiawatha adapted his father's works, and then Gwendolyn actually became a composer. She like started composing when she was really young, and then also she became a conductor-composer just like her dad um and you can actually read about her and hear her stuff she has a different name so her professional name is avril uh, coleridge taylor which i guess i think avril was her middle name Hmm. so yeah uh and then so due to his success with uh hiawatha which is about a native american he uh toured the u.s three times and in 1904 during one of those tours he was greeted by then-president Theodore Roosevelt at the White House, which is yeah. also, like, huge. And then, as I'm reading more about his, like, tours in, like, the U.S. and stuff, he actually thought about moving to America because his experience of, of racism in Britain was much worse than what he experienced here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I guess I never really knew that Britain had such a huge racist problem back then. I didn't know that.
0: I was going to ask about that because I would have imagined the US was so much worse.
1: Any- Apparently, not no. well, all of these things I've been reading is that like it was much bigger of a problem in Britain. I mean, obviously, it was a huge problem here, but it was like really deeply seeded into their mm-hmm. society,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: racism as it is here <laughs> still today. Mm-hmm. But uh, he and he, there's like something about it, he like talks about it. I, uh, I was. It's in one of the things I read that he actually thought about moving here because it was, like, his experience here was much better with racism oh, wow. than it was back home.
0: I wonder if it could have been, like, he was only i I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. It just he, is,
1: like, so yeah. interesting, yeah. though. Like.
0: They, I mean, he was, like, a kind of a famous person at that point. Yeah. So, of course, people weren't going to treat him. Well, I mean, that being s- people could treat him badly. I don't know. It's just I wonder if he got a better treatment because he was already known when he came over here. Could be. I don't know. I'm just skeptical because the U.S. I know was is still bad and it was a yeah. hundred years ago.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I was really intrigued by it too. I was like I need to I want to know why
0: mm-hmm.
3: have
1: such a huge problem. I didn't realize that Britain also had like this huge terrible problem I with racism
3: no a
0: hundred wow. years ago, and even we don't know to a certain extent again just because like our public school. You know, they're just kind of like they're like and we oh, only
1: get like we're the, the we're the heroes history, yeah.
0: <laughs> which is wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I have um, no idea how it was in Britain. Yeah, I no idea. I didn't realize there was racism in Britain. Yeah, I mean, the American uh, oh. not knowing anything about the rest of the world. But yeah, that is interesting. Very us to
1: be very ignorant. <laughs> the Americans don't know about anything else, but. Yeah. So, and this actually brings up like the next part of this history I have of him because he started to be referred to um, in 1910 as the African Mahler after he conducted in New York. And apparently he received that like label title, whatever, um, from the orchestra musicians Mm. um, because... I don't know if this is true now that I'm saying this, but didn't Mahler conduct the New York Phil at one point? Let's mm. see. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Do the fact check for me, Hebecca. Now, why is that in my mind that he conducted in New York? It would make sense. You it know, would make sense, wouldn't in it? New York. Well, anyway, he was basically like compared to the way that Mahler composed or not composed, conducted. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was the New York Philharmonic Music Director nineteen oh nine through eleven, which makes sense because this happened he got that like label in nineteen ten. Nice. So he was like being completely compared to Mahler. I wonder if he met Mahler. I'm sure. Could you imagine meeting Mahler mm-hmm. and meeting Samuel Coleridge Taylor and seeing that happen? Wow. Iconic. Iconic.
2: Or being in the orchestra and being one of those persons that started calling him like that. Like mm. Victoria, did you say today today's conductor? Oh my god, he was he was definitely more... Like he looks so much oh yeah.
1: Could you imagine?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: But and that kinda brings
1: up it was the, the way of his like personality, I guess, when conducting but then also because he was most interested and I think he made it known to his colleagues and peers. That he was most interested in African music and his own heritage and this actually leads to me talking about the 24 negro melodies, which is a piano cycle that he composed in 1905 um, and they're mostly influenced by the African spirituals of the US. And actually, I want to read a quote that he, he writes. Um, he wrote like a foreword of, of this piano cycle. Um, and I just found it to be really interesting. So he um, writes, What Brahms has done for the Hungarian folk music, Dvorak for the Bohemian, and Grieg for the Norwegian, I have tried to do for these Negro melodies. The plan adopted has been almost without, without exception that of the Tema con the actual melody has in every case been inserted at the head of each piece as a motto. The music which follows is nothing more nor less than a series of variation built on said motto. Therefore, my share in the matter can be clearly traced and must not be confounded with any idea of improving the original material any more than Brahms's variation on the Haydn theme improved that. So he's basically saying like, I didn't, compose these i'm not making them better i'm just inspired by them and like this is where i'm at and this is what i've come up with which i find
2: to be super
1: admirable
2: yes Mm -hmm. because uh there is that's actually a whole conversation right how we had like so many composers taking uh tunes Mm -hmm. of folk tunes and just using it without giving the right credits or yeah, we don't know how much profit they made from that, and it's a very, um, uh, it's a, a huge like discussion, huge. right? Yeah. So it is so admire. Uh, like you said, it's really admirable that he he actually said that, like making clear that it was not his. He was just <laughs> he was not trying to improve, Mm-mm. or he was just like simpi- inspired by that. It's amazing.
1: And mm. I also like I also have this feeling of like oh like. He wants to do what he thinks that like Brahms, Dvorak, and Greek have done for their heritage and culture. Yeah. And he wants to do the same, which I'm just kind of like, you did, you did mm-hmm. it, Samuel Coleridge-Taylor, like you did do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I actually have two different versions of um, one of the melodies. Uh, I have his version. So I chose Deep River because that's actually a spiritual that I recognize and I know the tune too.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like some other people would probably, would probably recognize it as well. So I'm going to play the piano version, like Samuel Coleridge Taylor's version, and then I'm going to play a different arrangement of it after that. sorry i have to stop it That was amazing <laughs> it's amazing it's like it's around six minutes long it's incredible it goes on even more and it's just like you melt while you're listening to it i love to say that i feel like i only say that for piano pieces for some reason like mm-hmm. i just completely melt with solo piano i love piano oh, that's so I'll sweet it's so
0: nice you about the technique
1: yeah, yes. Literally yeah. that, Aaron. Like it's just something I can just sit back and relax and enjoy. <laughs> um, okay, so then while I was trying to find a recording of um one of these melodies, I found an arrangement of Deep River that um Sheku Kane Mason, who is the uh British uh, black cellist who is like around our age. He's really mm-hmm. young. Um, he did an arrangement with his family. Wow. So I just want to play a little bit of that. And you, there's so many different arrangements. A lot of artists have taken like their own, like, you know, voicing, instrumentation, and they've, they've made it their own, which is really wonderful. So I just want to play a little bit of that.
2: is dying <laughs> I'm so sorry but isn't it <clears throat> I just love music <laughs> oh my god that, yeah when that cello came
1: in he's I amazing died. He is amazing. I actually this like when I saw this recording and I listened to it and I again melted. So I guess I don't use it for all piano music. I just yeah. Um, I was like, I want to do an episode on their family because yeah. oh yes. God, they oh are in- they are incredible. And that is the Kenny uh, Mason like trio. It's like his siblings.
2: Okay, I have to play this. I'm sorry, yes, no, I it's so beautiful. so beautiful, oh my god, I I was almost crying right now, and my hand is shaking a little bit. I it's, really loved this. I there is to listen to the whole thing.
1: There's so much emotion in their playing and also the way that they just I don't know I feel like Samuel Coleridge Taylor would be like yes this is what I meant like Mm -hmm. you know how he was talking about like it's not improving or you know what but like just making the the, the theme your the melody your own and I love it I'm obsessed with it so
2: I think that's uh, that's one thing about every composer right Uh, like they're proud of uh, Mm -hmm. they would be proud of anyone who like be drawing uh, inspiration from them oh my gosh yeah amazing yeah i
0: agree it's also comforting melodies
2: it it is
1: it's really comforting and it's just i don't know what it is i i when i because i didn't know that's another thing like there was a lot of stuff that i just didn't know about Mm. about his works or i like i had heard his name and like i knew that he was a black composer but i didn't know what he did or what he composed um which uh i am upset that i didn't know but i'm glad that we're doing it now and also hopefully telling more people about about um you know not white composers yes um but i just i when i saw that on the list like deep river on the list i was like oh i know that tune so yeah love it love it love it now unfortunately um our history lesson today is going to take a little bit of a sad turn um taylor died quite suddenly at the age of 37. oh my god mm-hmm. super young super young and he collapsed at a train station and then died a few days later from pneumonia oh, oh. isn't that sad and there's a lot of like speculation about his death oh. so a lot of people attribute his alleged dire financial situation as a oh. contributing factor to his mm-hmm. to his demise um and uh here's a fun fact it's not fun i shouldn't use the word fun but an interesting fact because we just talked about royalties in our last episode he never received any royalties from his most popular music
0: oh yikes
1: God. isn't that a big yike and yeah, his death led to a discussion in british music uh, musical circles about performing rights and royalties and his death is like a direct um link to the creation and formation of uh the british performing rights society
3: that's so,
2: huge that's Wait, huge so like when he was living he didn't get anything from no, anything
1: i from when i from my research i feel uh it So he didn't get any royalties or performing like money like royalties you know so he only got money for like writing it basically and that was it (laughs) that's so terrible isn't it It yes um and i'm sure he probably got money from the premiere but anything after that i don't think he would have gotten that is so true mm. yeah and then another factor that scholars attribute to his death was his nature of constantly being overworked he rarely turned down a commission and he had like several musical jobs and they say that those like those several musical jobs were because he needed to support like his family and himself financially mm. um so i i think it's probably both yeah um mm but then some people were like oh well he wasn't really as like financially like bad as people think but like i don't know i don't know and then there's like this uh fact that i saw that his funeral cost uh like cost seven times more than what he
0: made in the last year of his life
3: Hmm. what yeah
0: funerals are expensive yeah and planned in advance
1: and then i saw somewhere someone was like oh well that can just like be a test to or uh, like a testament to how expensive or lavish his funeral was and I was like lavish yeah. like we'll all laugh. funerals are expensive yeah <laughs> so yeah so anyway and then um, but several of his works remained popular after his death um, but unfortunately more of them were lost including his only opera Thelma And that was actually relatively recently uh, uh, reconstructed to how they think he would have, like, wanted it and performed it, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, And then Hiawatha, the cantata, remained popular after his death, but then kind of, like, lost, um, like, prominence in the public eye after World War II. And it's not due to, like, any racist reasons, Um, It's because there just weren't enough choral societies after World War II that could actually properly perform Hiawatha enough for it to, like, remain in, like, the public, like, performance eye kind of thing. Um, So, yeah. That's pretty much all I have on on research, you guys. Um, Thank you so much, Victoria. Of course! This was really fun. I was just i don't know i'm really excited to have this like you know black history month series on our podcast so i was like really diving in and and getting to know um samuel coleridge taylor Mm -hmm. now before i ask what we make maybe could learn from him um i have two other pieces i want to play by him yes so because it's not something that like came up in my research but i when i was looking him up and like finding music by him i found these and didn't know that they existed so the first one is a piano quintet in g minor and this is the first movement
2: Isn't that so good it yeah. is amazing when the was, was the whole octave thing oh my mm-hmm. god
1: i just like the really big grandiose scale that the piano does and then like it oh it's it so just, good i just want to play it I, I feel like playing it right now yes like, i've also like i've never why have i never heard it like that could be why isn't that standard rep like right. i don't understand why? Like, right? it's obviously, like, people are recording it. Like, it exists.
0: I don't... It's not like we have a ton of piano quintets to choose from.
1: <laughs> right? Like, come on. Right. Okay. Now, the next piece that I want to play, because I'm a violinist. I'm sorry, Aaron. He has a violin concerto <laughs> in G minor. Wow. Another G minor piece. Cool. Um So, he must... I don't know. He must have liked G minor. And this also is... Um, the first movement now i do want to play a specific part because i am that person and did i listen to the entire first movement yes (laughs) um so i want to play the um cadenza for you (laughs) Well, oh.
2: it's so good, Hebekah. You have to, I mean, Aaron, too, but like, Hebekah, you have to listen to it. I've- I, I have to. I mean, I don't have other choice. Now that I listen to this beginning, I mean, how not to? And like, I, I could, loved it. I could never play it. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. No. the beginning, but... the beginning with all that six, I would have stopped. There. Oh my god, I would have I been wouldn't...
1: like, you know what? It's okay. Never I'll just mind. listen. I'll, I'll just let listen. someone. I'll let someone else play it.
2: Yes, <laughs> I'll be generous. Doing that.
1: <laughs> I just, it. it the yeah. second movement is also amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Did so. you have
2: like, uh, I don't know, divorgic or Lalo feelings or anything?
1: I felt a lot of divorgic feelings for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I also will say in his um Hiawatha, i I mean, I also I don't know. I feel like it's fine to compare, right? Um, I heard mm-hmm. a lot of like Copeland, like oh, the yeah. open, like because I feel like it kind of sounds like cause, you know, Copeland did a lot of American mm-hmm. American pieces, and that's just what it reminds me of. But I'm glad that I can now add like, Samuel Coleridge Taylor as like someone of like with that same tonality, and it's not just in my brain as as Aaron Copeland. Um, so I do have some questions for you guys based off of when I was researching. I was like, I wonder what they think about this. Okay, so ready? How do you guys feel? What is your opinion on the like moniker African Mauler when talking about him? When I was doing research for him, there was a lot of articles. That like even classic f- classical FM like had like on the title of like the article about him was like African Mahler Samuel Coleridge Taylor, like it was like very much associated with like I don't know I I um, I think it was fine I mean I don't think it was fine but like I get it for being back in like 1910
2: right Yeah Oh I see the but articles now... are f- the articles were from that time No the articles are from now Ah. Oh
1: yeah and i'm kind of like okay we can like talk about how he was called that yeah but i don't think he should still be like referred to as the african mauler
0: i feel like okay this is just my of course i'm also you know i'm a white 24 year old girl so like of of course it's just an outsider looking in but i feel like maybe it was okay at the time and like when he was younger and touring America, of course that was a compliment, like comparing him to another great
3: conductor. Yeah, I agree. But I feel
0: like now looking back at all of his works as a composer too, is that really like an, a great, comp- like you, you're you comparing him to Copland, like that tonality, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the stuff we listened to was a lot different from Mahler's composition. I
1: was, that's how I felt too. I was, like listening to all of the stuff we just heard today nothing yeah. like
0: Mahler. literally
1: mm-hmm. could be the farthest from Right. Yeah, and we could <laughs> just call him
0: i feel like it's a uh, belittling to just call him that as opposed to samuel coleridge taylor like he's his own person mm-hmm. yeah existed, african like no i i can see why they would have called him that again back in the day and it makes sense you know if you if like for I've historical at, context it makes sense yeah and i've looked yeah. at some of my classmates and been like oh you're like a baby doctor so, you know like you're yeah you're totally a version of your teacher so like i i get that but also now looking back he's just samuel Coleridge taylor like yes. that's who he is
2: mm-hmm. i totally agree with you erin like back then okay but now not really it, he has his own personality in his music yeah we even though we compare like some aspects of it to other composers, mm. he has like when he, when he started that the last this last piece uh, we heard, I was like, this is so him. I haven't I haven't heard anyone like with this feeling, so I yeah I truly believe that we shouldn't associate. It's like an an article that a professor here at UMass wrote, and mm-hmm. we were. We were talking about that the other day, and how we always call the composer as like just Brahms or Schumann, Beethoven, but if Mozart, or but if yeah. it's but if it's a woman, we call them Clara Clara Schumann. So we should start naming, or at least as the article says, we should consider naming all like for the first and the second name. I think this is like a similar this effect is, this is i was
1: about to say like we yeah. keep like i feel like when we talk about i've been calling him taylor in like in the podcast but it, mm-hmm. i will admit it feels kind of weird because i'm like oh like he's samuel coleridge taylor like mm-hmm. we say his whole name yeah and it felt when i was even like writing up some of his stuff like i was like i can't like say samuel coleridge taylor the entire time that's ridiculous yeah, but then mm-hmm. even as i'm like saying like taylor was most interested in blah 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 or you know what i mean and it's like wow I don't know why that was so weird to me at
2: first mm. it's is, really interesting it's interesting you know it's interesting uh, um the thing that i was comp- uh, comparing was like the the fact that we we both like both situations we are um we are separating the individual by its own um achievements then but comparing them from the achievements of someone else mm. so that's I think uh like putting Clara as Clara Schumann and Schumann as just Schumann or uh Samuel as Mahler and not just Samuel. So I think that is like one aspect that I was saying. But I totally agree with you. It feels awkward to like just call someone like oh, It feels it, weird for, for just to call him Taylor. It is very long. And mm-hmm. th- like in our daily life we never call each other like for the whole mm-hmm. name, right? Mm-mm. But yeah. But what about okay, maybe in a conversation or not, but like writing academically maybe or yeah. maybe or maybe what about calling for the first name? Is it that weird?
1: I don't know. Samuel? I uh, but I will say like I would like I felt like even kind of cuz I feel like I we always refer to him when I hear people say his name, it's the whole name, Samuel Coleridge Taylor. Oh. And I was calling him Taylor here in a lot of different and I hadn't said it aloud yet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had been mm. writing it down for my for my research of, like, what I was going to say. And I it's just something interesting that I felt. And I, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because it, it is, I don't know, it's so bizarre. But, yeah, why don't we just call Clara Schumann Schumann or C. Schumann and R. Schumann just to make sure that we know who we're talking about.
2: Right. Yeah. But I think even though if we were in a conversation about clara schumann we wouldn't have to we we wouldn't know that we were talking about her we wouldn't have to say clara schumann all the time Mm. so we would be like yeah the schumann yeah oh yes yeah that's true too yeah for sure we're we're already inside that subject so yeah but that is very interesting like when i first read the article i was like oh my god yes that makes so much sense but then the next the next second i had already like came back with mm, my my mm. Back, old ideas and yeah. it's hard to just um get rid of that but i think here we are to educate I know. ourselves so
1: i love it you guys yeah. i'm so obsessed um okay so my next question is one that aaron brought up um Ooh. a couple episodes ago was what can we like learn from taylor i'm gonna say his last name what can we word what can we learn from taylor
0: i i was really interested when i read about his background just like mm. you know only having a single mom mm. i don't know i mean to me that i mean i'm a child of divorce so it kind of <laughs> hit home normally you don't read about that it's normally like it's true like, mom dad kids yeah. blah 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 even you know not to say every family is perfect back then but i just thought that was interesting and in how they were able to overcome so much and his mom was pretty crafty helping him yeah, out she,
1: i mean she really thought about like she really like i she understood and knew that it was
0: he was yeah. gonna face
1: challenges in his life mm-hmm. yeah.
0: so that really i don't know i just thought that was hum humbling to read i don't not humbling but like it created a unique connection mm-hmm. and that's really interesting to read mm. um also i don't know he just seems so like ahead of his time almost in giving that little disclaimer like i'm not trying to improve these melodies i was just inspired by them like, that that is like that's like of... that's so
1: telling like it's so like yeah almost liberal like you right. know like like
0: Literally. liberal-minded uh yeah like thoughtful thoughtfulness and caring before Mm. you put something out into the world i really like that i think and then i think i wanted to add on i don't think i mentioned it
1: because i feel like with these like with the 24 melodies he he was a really big advocate for pan africanism which was um wanting to unify and uplift native africans as well as those of like the African diaspora, and I think mm-hmm. he 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 succeeded in that, yeah. um, for sure. Um, and so I, it just brings me back for some reason the the his like want, and to to be like Brahms, up in Greek for their respective cultures. For some reason, that speaks to me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I have a similar situation, but just because I just, that is, I don't know, it's endearing to, that he even wrote that, you know, and he was wanting to be, to be that type of person, but for African heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned through reading about him and the research is like, um, to not let people tell you your worth, you know, he he, I mean, I, I obviously, I'm not going to be, I can't relate to his, uh, you know, racist experiences. Um, but he really, like, he did so much to just prove to people that he was a serious composer and musician and Mm -hmm. persevered and succeeded. And so I think that lesson and, and, and thought can also, I mean, that can translate to us. It's just, you know, don't let people tell you your worth. Right. And I prove him wrong too, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was the big thing for me.
2: That was this uh, first thing that came to my mind when you asked us. I was like, yes, the perseverance, mm. and also what Aaron said about uh, how telling is um, that quote that you you read from him uh, about his personality and his intents. So I think it's uh, he's just like for me now became this huge uh, inspiration and I can't okay. wait to just stand him <laughs> I
1: know I'm gonna be such a stan of Taylor
2: oh my yes. gosh he's amazing I just wanted to address something that um I think for us it's it's uh, it's, it's kind of easy to take for granted some stuff that mm. we read and but we we will never know what it was to live, Mm-mm. like as he l- lived, or yeah. as his mom, or so. Yeah, even or though his we dad or, or his... his children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything that they they went through. So, yeah, like I I am trying to educate myself in the sense that, always reminding me that. My reminding myself that I'm white and I am mm-hmm. privileged. Yeah, and I was just about not to say. everyone is uh, is in the same position as I am, and I have to, just, like view all the, every, all the whole like the whole world with this point of view now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely, for sure. Well, I am a stan of Taylor.
2: Me too. And... Stan number two. You <laughs> <laughs> have a fun
1: one, time here. two, and three. Samuel Coleridge Taylor fan club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess let's move on to second act,
0: second half. Second
2: half. Um, I had an idea. Oh, great. To,
1: yeah, just to ask, I guess to continue the topic of of black composers a tiny bit, um, and just because I'm super curious, have you guys ever played like music? by black composers
3: oh
2: wow okay um now that i think i don't know I,
3: don't...
2: I i guess not because i don't remember and if i played i i mean i don't remember so probably not
1: i'm gonna say no as well because i if i have i don't remember which is sad but also i feel like that would have been made like a like it would have been said
2: hmm
0: Probably. In a way, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I played Villa Lobos and he was, like, mixed. But he was, not like, a black. Mm. Yeah, I
0: haven't... I don't think I have. Again, like, it maybe. But I feel like somebody would have mentioned it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, weird. Because it's like, okay, you don't mention a composer is white.
1: Yeah. That's, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was curious because there's so much music of Taylor's that I would love to play. um. The, the ballad that we listen to, the piano quintet, the violin concerto, maybe if I had the ability. Like, you know, there's... And I don't understand. This goes... We talk about this every week. But why isn't this standard? Why isn't he in this stupid canon? I just don't get it. And it just makes me think of, like... Like the class that we're all in this semester. Yes,
2: that that was. <laughs> and that was I, individual.
1: we, the three of us are in a seminar, um, with like our favorite professor at UMass, uh, Mariana Ritchie. Love her. She's amazing. Goddess. And, uh Goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about the the symphony, and so far the topics have, um, or the focus so far has been what can the symphony tell us about white supremacy and, you know patriarchy how, and how how the symphony contributes to white supremacy basically yeah.
2: um, And i never thought how related they were until this week until So this we week. had we yeah. had like two this week was the first week of classes and it's been mind-blowing it has guys. i there's
1: every every class we've only had two classes i'm saying every class the two every classes guy. that we've had i am sitting there and like my mouth is dropped open in my mind because I'm not actually gonna do like that'd be like weird if I was just on zoom like (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I I'm mind blown every
2: time we have a discussion
1: about the articles that we've read and
2: and one thing that you mentioned that uh came to my mind uh, about the one of the discussions that we had on classes like why isn't he on the canon and then it was one thing that we discussed on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. That even though he wa- he wore, he was
1: he was yeah he wasn't a canon.
2: <laughs> he wouldn't solve the problem. It wouldn't. Yes, and yeah, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't make the situation better or racism just. It's so frustrating, though, isn't it? Like yeah, it is that we
1: have this just stupid elite. Somehow we have this imp- like this thing in place that oh she said it so well it was like the canon is preserved or preserving things that are dead that think they're living and that wow. blew my mind and I, yeah and it just furthers my belief that we just need to dismantle slash abolish the canon abolish the canon <laughs> we should have t-shirts. Why don't oh, we have T yeah.
2: out of tune merch yes.
1: Apolish Polish
2: the cannon. That's gonna be the next one, you guys, because you know our first merch is right here. Oh my gosh. We're, we're wearing it. <laughs> it's the beautiful hats that Victoria made. And if you wanna if you wanna see, check out our Instagram, okay? Yes. It's gonna we'll, be have, there. we'll have pictures or something.
1: Of course. I'm a closeted knitter. <laughs> 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 um but yeah I just I'm loving the class I'm loving having you have seeing you guys also like not just in like podcast time but also like in class yes. time which is a lot of fun it's been great and every so- time something is said or something's funny like I look at your faces on the zoom I'm like you guys don't know that I'm looking at you but I'm looking at you <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: looking at you too <laughs> So you guys can wait for next week's. We're gonna probably come with more ideas from this class. So
1: yeah. And I, I knew after the first class that it was gonna change my life. I know. I, me too. It has made me question so many things, and how classical musicians, specifically, I'm gonna say white classical musicians, are conditioned
2: to think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. it's very interesting because uh, I don't know. I, actually, I can ask you guys. What do yeah. you think about uh, this whole thing in Brazil? Because I, I would presume that you would, you would think that in Brazil is different, but it's exactly the same thing. Is it really? It's exactly the same thing, huh. which is, for me, is even worse. Is even dumber. I don't know, <laughs> because we are uh, against. We are going against our own culture our own like our own mm. roots yeah doing doing that uh, agreeing with the canon agreeing with the white white classical supremacy uh, so yeah anyways Brazil it's not Brazil is not better I don't know why
1: I would have thought it would have been different I mean I'm trying to think of why I thought that but I don't have an answer I I conditioned I mean, the way that i've i've thought i don't i have no idea yeah it's but
0: kind of like how, i mean in asian cultures like i don't know china and japan like they study the same stuff the same western classical art music so i don't it's not like that surprising to me that it's but it's sad that it's infiltrated the rest of the world so much that like okay, okay that's all you can think about now mm-hmm. even though it's like not really relevant anymore to any of the cult I I
2: mean maybe you know
0: I don't I have no idea how other countries
2: and if if we track where classical music is spread we can definitely find racism there absolutely Mm -hmm. like Asian for as far as I know uh, China and Korea has like big racism issues too and Brazil definitely too um doesn't
1: it just be like how did we get here like yeah and i i find this whole thing frustrating because this goes back to like a point i think i made in in class because say that i let's do a scenario say that i went to a professor i was like hey professor can i play samuel coleridge taylor's violin concerto and they would probably go Mm, I don't know it and they would leave it at that and I would be like okay
2: um is it a deja vu oh Oh my gosh that's so funny
1: but like yes but like it that that has happened to me Mm -hmm. on multiple occasions but and there and with new music or with like a composer who is dead for a period of time like they're not living anymore and it's just, oh, I don't know it. That's not standard repertoire. Or with new music, it's like, oh, I'm unfamiliar. But, like, in my head, I'm like, that's the whole point of this. Like, True. I want to play something that has is not standard repertoire. Because that is, we need to, that's the whole point of, like, getting out of this elite canon weirdness that we're in. I just don't, it's so frustrating.
3: I and
1: I feel like, our our podcast and I don't know I when I was when we were in class I think I texted you guys I was like this class is like the whole point of our podcast yeah.
3: yes
1: like it, it it is just speaking to my soul recently and I and I keep thinking about it like every single day
2: me too I keep thinking
1: I about
2: it. I was talking to a friend uh hi Rafael oh my god <laughs> was,
1: shout out to Rafael
2: and I was talking uh of, about this class and it was like I can't wait to see who I am going to be in the end of the semester after being changed by this class. Yeah. So that is the point that I am in my life right now. I'm like mm-hmm. excited to see how this class is going to change because it's going to change and it's been changing already. So Yeah. yeah. Yes, it makes and think- of course we're going to bring stuff for you guys here on the podcast too, mm-hmm. so yes, oh wait gosh. for that.
1: We're going to regurgitate all of our, not regurgitate, I shouldn't say that, but we're just going <laughs> to speak on oh, all God. of our thoughts and all of our, yes. like, just what we feel. And I, oh my, I feel so, I don't know what the word is, empowered. Excited. That, empowered, yeah. excited that we're we're in this class. And there's, like, other people and a professor who I thinks... Know. I think that is what so was astounding to me at first is that this professor is giving us these readings, right. like, and, and this is a topic of conversation and, and why are things like this? And it's just, it's what we've been saying in but in different words on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And this, the class is at such a deeper level that I'm just like, I am, I'm in shock every single time.
0: It's so yes. refreshing.
1: It's so refreshing and, but also frustrating because. Of like, we want to do stuff, but we can't.
0: Like, our, no. I don't... Ugh, we're trying. Our generation is going to be the one. I, I hope, hope so. Some, I'm hoping we'll make some change, but unfortunately, it's probably going to be, like, literally our, like, us. <laughs> <laughs> like, our actual generation, which is so classic, right? Like, mm-hmm. we always get thrown all the BS that the past generations were like, oh, yeah, single use plastic. That's cool. And now we're like, no, wait, <laughs> stop. The world is on fire
2: yeah yes. literally
0: that's so true yeah same thing I just, except on a weird different scale <laughs> it's just i
2: i don't
1: understand like i don't know i don't I, we can speak more on it in other podcasts yeah. but i could go on and on and on
2: yeah i just reminded of a question that i think it's perfect for this right now that mariana did on on the class and why are we here so at first (laughs) at first i thought like i don't know why i'm here i know and
1: then you said that in the chat and i went same and then i think mariana did a sad face or something yes (laughs) a
2: sad crying face but then i thought okay actually i know why i'm here we're here to change Mm -hmm. we are the generation that it's gonna start to change or yeah of course actually i shouldn't say that we're not starting because it started out a long time ago, but yes, we're here to be like tools for this change and keep with this, keep yeah. going with this change. Yeah, so yes, let's change it, guys. Let's re educate, uh, let's abolish educate the canon. Let's <laughs> abolish the canon. Oh, you can, you can like check our our website with a merch. <laughs> uh, just. Our, we're gonna take a picture with our hats on and just oh, say yeah.
1: abolish the cannons.
2: yes <laughs> and we're gonna have a t-shirt soon too oh my gosh we should Wait. we really we should, should do that. Yeah. i'm and so down to do that yes so with that i think i will say the word of the day oh my gosh Ooh. i'm so excited so today i choose valor valor Yes.
1: Valor. that's great We well, got okay. it guys is it valor
2: and it means value
1: oh value oh, oh yes. i was not expecting that oh i love that value
2: that's good know
1: your worth know your value yes oh my gosh cute i'm obsessed
0: um,
1: well cute. um aaron why don't you tell us how your tuning is and then i'm gonna look up our musical history fact of the day because i forgot <laughs> that's
0: funny i've been called on by the teacher <laughs> no
1: i'm not the teacher
0: i just i need i need you to stall for me for- sure. <laughs> i know you're funny so no, my tuning was uh, all right i mean i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten just like last week because like overall things were good and we started classes so it was just like a change of pace mm. which is to me, it always helps for me just to get back into the, like, I don't know, too much work gets boring. Too much school gets boring. So I like the changing period, at least, although it can be frustrating. But why it's not a perfect 10 is, as we were kind of talking about earlier, uh, or maybe we weren't talking, I think I talked about it off off recording, but, you know, students at UMass decided to bring back a all the like 50 percent of the campus population and it's super frustrating because now all the cases of covid <sighs> are going up duh and it's and we're not even like this is like the first week like, we barely
1: finished
0: Literally. and now we get an
1: email saying that the campus threat level of covid is like elevated or something and it's I'm just,
0: just frustrating like, because before <sighs> when it was just like the few people like grad students and like other undergrads with few undergrads yeah yeah, it was, like, fine because it's all the responsible kids on campus, but now it's all all the freshmen who are mostly, I feel like, in online classes and then what are they doing with the rest of their time? Going to Target and partying. And I don't, it's yes. just frustrating because now UMass has put us at risk, the responsible population of campus. Mm. Plus, like, the surrounding community, which is just, like, sad. I think it's an, a really irresponsible choice on part of the university ended. i
3: agree sad. i'm like
2: very d- sad.
0: Very disappointed because they were doing so good before
2: right exactly yeah. remember last semester in the podcast when we were like oh we're so proud of umass umass yes. is doing the right thing and like, no Quick
0: no
1: <laughs> not anymore yeah, you take that's...
2: it back umass shame
1: shame on you <laughs> hey,
0: shame. <laughs> anyway yeah so that's my tuning seven out of ten good but bad oh
1: love right okay well let me just insert on this day <laughs> in music history wow <laughs> um i have two good ones so arnold schoenberg's first string quartet premiered in vienna in
3: 1907
1: all right Let's go on okay. and erin <gasps> another shostakovich <gasps> fact coming yeah. for you wow in 1957 Dmitry shostakovich completed his second piano uh concerto Ooh.
2: Aww. and and which this bop was...
1: everyone should go listen to that piano concert um, it's so good
2: february 5th
1: february 5th tw- uh, yes february 5th in 1907 and 1957 is that was that the right dates that i just said yeah yeah i, I can remember dates yeah there we go great <laughs> um my tuning this week well, well um very similar uh although i will say like i i did i say before i don't remember zero to a thousand it yes. hit me like a like a ton of bricks or like a truck whatever whatever analogy works the best for you that's how i felt this week um yeah uh went from like just chilling doing some work practicing at home to like everywhere i know all the time on zoom i'm at the fac
3: practicing
1: mm-hmm. i will say a highlight of my week um is always the podcast always however becca and i started our rehearsals for our moscowski suite for two violins and let me tell you i was so excited to get out of bed at 8 a.m in the morning for that day Mm -hmm. um i was like it's time like we're doing it um today and it's off to a great start um rehearsals have been so easy and fun like Hebeck and I were both commenting, like, like, oh, how do you feel about like this? And yeah, that's great. Like, and then, like, it's let's
2: let's change this. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And it's just like,
1: oh, it's so nice working with friends that you get along with and have similar ideas, and it's great. Um, I think
2: it's an experience that everyone should have. So yeah, I agree.
1: So I'm gonna give it. I mean, of course, the COVID sucks, and like, I'm very angry and frustrated as well. I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh. Not a terrible like first week to school. Like it was fine. Yeah. But of course, the world right now is a mess. So Yeah. So,
2: so I guess everyone is in a seven this week because Look I'm at also us in go. a seven. Yay. I think What's we share our own brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> so my week was well pretty similar. Uh, I I definitely relate to you, Victoria. It was such a a change of pacing and routine from coming from literally nothing. You guys, because (laughs) I have to admit, I didn't do anything during the break.
1: And that's fine.
2: That's that's fine. Yes. And I was proud of myself. Yes. Yeah. We we needed a break all day. Yes. A break is called a break for a reason. It's a break. (laughs) <laughs> so now that of course uh, okay so actually last week I I was a little bit more active but still it was a, a big big uh, change, change. No, no. but it's, it, it's a, it was a good change so I could see you. I could get to see you guys and practice the muskowski together and just see more people it's been highlighting my week so mm. yeah I will give a 7 to
1: oh wow i love this for us yeah. it's like just just fine we're all fine everything's fine yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah it's fine. everything is fine <laughs> oh man
1: well oh i don't think i mentioned uh the tuning today was brought to you by the philly orchestra philadelphia orchestra from their beethoven now series that they live streamed like last year when everything in the world just went crazy and whatever
3: Mm -hmm. um
1: but yeah that's what that's from and i guess that brings us to the end of our first black history Month episode yay super excited to see what we do for the next couple few weeks yeah so um,
2: tune in
1: yeah tune in every saturday uh episodes go up at 7 a.m or they should go up at 7 a.m um i'm not in control of spotify so um but yeah they should be there at least by 9 a.m <laughs> um but yeah as always uh thanks for listening and this Thank has you. been out, out of, of tune, tune. On Zoom, yeah. <laughs> we always laugh, okay.
3: <laughs> bye
1: bye. <laughs>